In this episode of Studying Sacred Scripture, we have a lovely story to narrate to you. Did you ever wonder, what would you do if Allah bestowed you with ample wealth, loads of wealth, but it was all a trial, a test from Allah Almighty? Today's episode will answer those questions for you. So I hope, inshallah ta'ala, you will find it beneficial and fruitful. And you won't forget our beautiful masjid in Cambridge with your generosity. Assalamu alaikum. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وبعد Once again I would like to welcome all of you to our study session Tonight maybe is a little bit exceptional uh, because Sheikh Haytham uh, came to visit our masjid so we gave him uh, a task of leading the Maghrib and Isha prayers and uh, saying a few words. And it is always nice, basically, if a scholar comes to honor them and uh, to exchange a few words. But I do have to apologize for the slight delay, which probably affected the numbers in two ways. Tonight, inshallah ta'ala, we'll carry on reading a hadith from this uh, chapter on al-muraqaba, uh, watchfulness, from Riyadh al-Saliheen. Tonight, as I told you last session, is one of the longest traditions to read. Uh, still, I believe it may be good to read it in Arabic as well, and then in the translation. It is a story. When there is a story, usually it's very easy to understand it, but it's a nice story, I have to say. Uh, but there are many lessons that we can learn from the Hadith. I won't focus on the language a lot, uh, because it's just a typical story you will see from the meaning, inshallah, from the translation. عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه أنه سمع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول إن ثلاثا من بني إسرائيل أبرص وأقرع وأعمى أراد الله أن يبتليهم فبعث إليهم ملكا فأتى الأبرص فقال أي شيء أحب إليك قال لون حسن و جلد حسن ويذهب عني الذي قد قذرني الناس فمسحه فذهب عنه قذره وأعطي لونا حسنا قال فأي المال أحب إليك قال الإبل أو قال البقر شك الراوي فأعطي ناقة عشراء فقال بارك الله لك فيها فأتى الأقرع فقال أي شيء أحب إليك قال شعر حسن ويذهب عني هذا الذي قذرني الناس فمسحه فذهب عنه وأعطي شعرا حسنا قال فأي المال أحب إليك قال البقر فأعطي بقرة حاملة وقال بارك الله لك فيها فأتى الأعمى فقال أي شيء أحب إليك قال أن يرد الله إلي بصري فأبصر الناس فمسحه فرد الله إليه بصره قال فأي المال أحب إليك قال الغنم فأعطي شاة والدا فأنت جهاذان وولد هذا فكان لهذا واد من الإبل ولهذا واد من البقر 
ولهذا واد من الغنم ثم إنه أتى الأبرص في سورته وهيئته فقال رجل مسكين قد انقطعت بي الحبال في سفري فلا بلاغ لي اليوم إلا بالله ثم بك أسألك بالذي أعطاك اللون الحسن والجلد الحسن والمال بعيرا أتبلغ به في سفري فقال الحقوق كثيرة فقال كأني أعرفك ألم تكن أبرص يقذرك الناس فقيرا فأعطاك الله فقال إنما ورثت هذا المال كابرا عن كابر فقال إن كنت كاذبا فصيرك الله إلى ما كنت وأتى الأقرع في صورته وهيئته فقال له مثل ما قال لهذا ورد عليه مثل ما رد هذا فقال إن كنت كاذبا فصيرك الله إلى ما كنت وأتى الأعمى في صورته وهيئته فقال رجل مسكين وابن سبيل إن قطعت بي الحبال في سفري فلا بلاغ لي اليوم إلا بالله ثم بك أسألك بالذي رد عليك بصرك شاة أتبلغ بها في سفري فقال قد كنت أعمى فرد الله إلي بصري فخذ ما شئت ودع ما شئت فوالله ما أجهدك اليوم بشيء أخذته لله عز وجل فقال أمسك مالك فإنما أبتليتم فقد رضي الله عنك وسخط على صاحبك متفق عليه So you can hear now it's one of the longest hadith really that we have in the entire book So Abu Huraira radiyallahu anhu said that he heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, narrate There were three men from the Bani Israel one leper, one bold and one blind Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to test each one of them So he sent to them an angel who first came to the leper and he asked the leper what he liked best and the leper replied the man replied a good color and a smooth good skin and also to be rid of what makes me loathsome to people the angel rubbed him and his loathsomeness vanished and he was given a good color and a good skin The angel then asked the man what type of wealth he liked most, best. The leper replied that he liked camels, or perhaps he said cattle. The rawi was not sure, uncertain. I really intentionally didn't want to read this uh, doubt of the rawi because it's quite clear from the story that he said camels. But anyway, uh, Imam Nawawi included this. And it's important, I'll tell you why, uh, they were so meticulous. <laughs> If there was any term, just one term, 
whether it was camels or cows, whatever it was, cattle, it wasn't so important. But he said here, I like camels. Or perhaps he said cattle. For Ishaq, one of the sub-narrators of this hadith, he wasn't sure that the man, whether he said, like when, when, when the hadith was narrated from the Prophet whether he said al-ibl, camels, or he said cattle, al-baqar. So anyhow, so the hadith carries on by answering the question, really. The man was given a pregnant she-camel, okay? But he could have asked for cows. Allah wanted to upgrade him to what he actually liked most by giving him even more precious wealth. Anyway, so the angel then made dua, invoked for Allah's blessing, you can say, in his wealth or on that particular gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the camel, the, she, the pregnant she-camel. The angel then went to the bold man and he asked him what he would like best what he liked the best. And the man replied, well, I like good hair, since I'm bold, and also to be rid of what makes me loathsome to people. You know, people detest me because of uh, how I look. The angel ran his hand over his head, and he was then given good hair. Nice uh, hair grew. Then the angel asked the man, the, the man, the bold man, now with hair. But what wealth would you like best? Like, what is your favorite wealth? The man replied, I like cattle. And so he was given a pregnant cow. The angel again prayed to Allah, invoking Allah's blessings on the cow, you can say, or in his new wealth. The angel then was sent to the third man, the blind man. And he asked him the same questions. What it is that he likes best or most? The blind man replied, Subhanallah, I wish that Allah restores my sight to me so that I may see people. He did say that. Hatta ubsira an nasa. And of course, I mean, what else would he wish, you know, a blind person? May Allah protect us. But there is, in, in the previous chapters, we, there was that hadith which is outstanding on from the book on sabr, patience. Anyone who is taken away their eyesight, especially two, both of their eyes, must be one of the hardest, you know, the hardest calamity they can possibly imagine in this life. But even one, even one of the eyes uh, must be really hard. So here was a blind man, so his wish we fully understand. Thereupon, the angel ran his hand over his eyes, over the man's face, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of his mercy, restored the blind man's sight, eyesight. The angel then asked the man what wealth he liked most as well, best. And the man replied, I like sheep. So he was given a pregnant sheep. Yeah, you, female pregnant sheep. Flocks and herds were produced for the three men. The first got like a valley full of camels. The second became rich, a valley full of cows. And the third also had plenty of sheep. Uh, yeah, lots of sheep. Then the angel came, sometimes later, in the form of a leper, he says here, 
So he would come in the actual form and appearance that the very three men looked like, basically. So the angel came in the form of that first leper. Uh, and he said to him, I am a poor man, and my means, yeah, resources, have been exhausted in my journey. Like, I've got nothing else left. So my only means of reaching my destination is my tawakkul, reliance on Allah, but then on you to give me some of your wealth so that I can reach my destination. So I ask you by him, capital H, who gave you the good color, okay, since this man is now suffering from the same condition, skin condition. Then he says the good skin and lots of wealth Allah gave you. And I ask for one camel by which I can get to my destination. Just give me one of your camels. Even, uh, you know, like a young one, you can say. It doesn't have to be a naqa. It could be a small one, I would say. But the man's reply was this. Oh, unfortunately, I can't give you anything since I have many dues to pay, like, like too many things. I just can't spare anything. Like The angel then said to the man, I think I actually recognize you. I know who you are. Were you not once a leper whom people found loathsome, like they, did, you know, like they didn't want to be around you? And also a poor man to whom Allah gave lots of wealth. You want to sit here with me? Come, sit here. Allah gave you lots of wealth, okay? Um, but the man replied like this. His reply was, oh no, I actually inherited this old wealth, yeah, this wealth through generations. <laughs> yeah, he says, I inherited this through generations. The angel said, mm, if you are telling a lie, if you are lying, then he prayed against him. So look, first time when he came around, each time he made the same dua. Barakallahu laka fiha. So he said, if you are lying, then may Allah return you to your former condition. It's like, this is like a prayer, okay, from an angel. Uh, the angel then carried on, but this time in the form or shape of a bold man, to the one who had been bold himself. And he asked him the same question that he asked the former, and he received similar replies. So he said to him as well, if you are also lying, if you are telling a lie, then may Allah return you to your former condition. The angel then went to the one who had been blind, and he said to him, saying, I am a poor traveler, and my resources have been exhausted in my journey. Now my only way of reaching my destination is me relying on Allah, and then also on you to help me, to assist me. So I ask you, by him who restored your eyesight, to give me one sheep, by which I may get to the end of my journey. This man replied, yes, you are right, you are right. Once, before I was a blind man, I was blind. And Allah indeed restored my eyesight to me. And therefore, he was reminded of that great ni'mah. He says, فَخُذْ, yeah? So he says, take whatever you wish from my wealth. Yeah, a valley full of sheep. And leave whatever you wish, like, take as many as you want. 
and this is amazing to me, like uh, this statement. Fawallahi, he, he swears, yeah, by Allah, I swear by Allah that I shall not argue, I'm not going to bother, like, I shall not argue with you today to return anything that you take, since I give it to you for Allah's sake. Because, and in Arabic language, it's a little bit difficult to understand it, but it's a very strong oath, I have to say. A very powerful one, actually. So the angel said, no, keep all your property. Keep all your wealth. Yeah? Uh, you have all basically been put to a test. Allah tested you. But Allah is pleased with you, the way you conducted yourself. On the other hand, Allah is displeased with your two companions, with the other two. Mutafakun alayh, as we said last time, uh, means Bukhari and Muslim both uh, narrated this hadith, recorded this hadith in their respective works. So it's an authentic tradition. Sometimes you can see the Prophet would narrate stories. He would tell stories to his Sahaba from Bani Israel, basically from the previous uh, nations, from uh, previous generations. Uh, I'm sure you have all heard of this hadith before, uh, but what we call wisdom, hikmah, it's timeless. You know, you can never say this hadith at some point in time will become irrelevant. Because nowadays we all wish cars and latest mobile phones. Nobody hardly asks for camels or sheep. Okay, fair enough. But it's still good wealth. We don't even know in which direction the whole world is going to turn. Maybe the richest and best people off will be people who live in the mountains. Yet again. And who have lots of flock of sheep and camels and cows and goats and things like that. We never know. So it could be very relevant soon, pretty soon. We don't know. Allahu A'lam. Likewise, you can say, leprosy. There is no such a condition anymore. There is actually. Because it's a, I'm not a doctor, I'm not certainly an expert on, on skin conditions, but I know one Syrian doctor who was teaching me Quran, he was an expert on, on skin conditions, and he told me there are so many different skin conditions, and he thinks, because it's the biggest organ that we have, actually seems like is the biggest of all organs that Allah, that's how Allah created us, is our skin. Uh, that there potentially could be more and more actually skin conditions as more viruses and bacteria are out there. Like there's one hadith actually which suggests towards the end of times or as we travel in time, uh, towards the end of the time, there'll be more and more of different types of diseases. Cancer is one example, isn't it? Uh, I'm not saying it's a skin condition, but there are so many, I would say, uh, also cancers which are related to uh, our skin. So that is relevant too and it seems it always will be relevant. So no matter basically in what way you try to argue and put it, these kind of stories will always be relevant to our lives. And I would rather listen to a narration like this and take some of the really key lessons and not make the same mistake like the leper or the bold man, but would love to act in the way that the blind man acted. Even though of the three of them you can clearly understand, you don't need much reasoning or thinking about it, 
You can simply say his trial was the hardest of them three. Yet he is the one who behaved in the best manner. He is the one who made sure Allah was pleased with him. He's the one who pleased Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and set a really I can admire this, but this is the kind of jealousy which maybe we would be allowed to, to have. A blind man to behave in this way and, and, and teach us such a great lesson in our life. But as I always do, I would like to have a little glance. This is a longer hadith on the language of this hadith. Of course, there are several uh, terms which, are, you know, which need explanation. There are some rare terms. Uh, but I don't want to go into all the terms which are mentioned here. Maybe just one sentence I want to share, uh, or maybe two points. So I like this because it's, to me this is not, I'm not mentioning this because it's difficult, it's rather because it's beautiful, okay? because it's eloquent. So, فَلَا بَلَاغَ okay, is being mentioned. Who said this? So this is the way the Prophet ﷺ, our Prophet ﷺ narrated the hadith in Arabic language. So he said, فَلَا بَلَاغَ أي الْبَلَاغ مَا يَتَوَصَّلُ بِهِ إِلَى الشَّيْءَ الْمَطْلُوبِ So this is what it means. So he said like, I can't achieve my purpose, can't attain my goal, basically, in that sense. So it's very eloquent. So he's saying here is the means through which we achieve our goals. The reason I'm mentioning this is beautiful language. And secondly, unlike Western philosophers, Okay, who say we don't look at what means we are using. We don't choose the means as long as we get to the goal. We actually are careful with the means as well. Yes, it's part of tawakkul, yeah, of our belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our proper reliance on him that we take by the asbab, by the means, but we can't take any means to get somewhere. We obviously have to take by the means which are lawful. And this hadith, maybe in a deeper sense, talks about that as well. Your wealth could be earned in a halal way. You can actually inherit lots of wealth. You don't even have to strive for it or make so much effort. But even your inheritance could be part of wealth which is not halal or it's dubious because you inherited wealth from some banker or your parents were involved let's say bingo and gambling and things like that. That could be a problem. So we always have to be careful in what we are utilizing in achieving our goal. And our real goal of life is to reach the final destination and that is the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However much we travel and journey in, on, this, on the face of this earth, even if you don't actually ever change your town, that will be really lucky nowadays because most of us have lived here and there and moved about many, many times, which made us reach out to many different means to survive, basically. But each and every time, we didn't go for the easiest option, and we also wanted to make sure that what we take and use in our life is all lawful according to our sharia. This is one term, fala balagha. And the other one, maybe even more beautiful, is Kabiran and Kabir. I like this uh, phrase. It's very beautiful and cute, I have to say. A, the meaning is Aban and Jadin. And Jadin. So basically, uh, inheritance. Yeah? He inherited from his father, from the grandfather. Basically, from knee to knee. 
min jilin ila akhar. But the way he said is very interesting. Kabiran an kabir. So he meant the father and the grandfather, which is very interesting. And oh, the way the hadith is like, uh, well, he was like a very top liar, you can say, in a way. But Allah alam, I don't want to say because I don't know all the details. Uh, but clearly the, the angel confirmed to us by asking him like to confirm if you are telling a lie in kunta uh, which obviously tells us he was since he prayed against him and we understand from the commentary and the way the hadith is basically narrated, the story is narrated that they were returned in their original condition and lost everything except the one who took the lesson and passed his trial or test. That's the, the, these are the two things I wanted to share with you in terms of the language. Well, there are many benefits that we can learn from this hadith, you know, like point after point. So I'll go in order. At least I want to share a couple of them. I know I'm taking too long today, but uh, please allow me to share a couple of points and maybe one ruling uh, from this hadith. It's not very important maybe ruling in our Sharia, but it is a ruling. So first, we learn uh, from this particular story, this beautiful hadith, the worst, one of the worst, uh, most blameworthy traits is stinginess. Bukhan, a shuh. And it is interesting if you think, and I'm sure you all have read Quran many, many times, it's like the Quran really is warning us against that trait. It's very problematic. And according to one saying of our beloved Prophet, which is also sound hadith, it actually causes destruction of entire nations. Yeah? So we understand from our tradition that some of the previous nations were entirely destroyed because they were not generous. In other words, they were miserly. Stingy. You can also put it in, in, in an, maybe you don't like this term, miserly and stingy, because it, even this, the sound of it, al-bukhal, al-shuha, is hard, isn't it? It brings some kind of heaviness. You might want to say like this. To be really, to do well, and to be a proper believer, a truly pious believer, one of the most important traits for you to have is the trait of jude, which is the opposite of bukhal. Generosity, being benevolent, kind, generous, giving. And we know like there was this uh, one of the Prophet's grandchildren. I mean all Alul Bayt, subhanAllah, all of them. I always, I, every time I read some stories of Ummahat al-Mu'mineen or uh, anyone really from the family of the Prophet they were extremely, extremely generous because he was the most generous of all people. But some of his progeny, they were known, like they got this title of, you know, uh, Sakha or uh, Karam or Jude. And Arabs as well as, as a nation are known for it, really, I have to say. When I studied Arabic literature, uh, well, you know, some of the most amazing stories of kindness and generosity you will read among them. And so many tribes, uh, Arabian tribes, were renowned for it. So basically, uh, you can put it this way. Uh, a stern warning against the blameworthy trait of uh, stinginess. Uh, let us never become miserly. And, and also a very strong encouragement to practice generosity, to be as kind and as generous as possible. 
uh, and it does really seem to be like when uh, I know it's very difficult to part away from our wealth, even a tiny bit of it, because we think we worked really hard to earn it, whatever. Uh, but it does seem the people who are easy on this, like who have developed so, you know, they're, they're so good in this particular trait, uh, they give with ease, let's say, just like the, you know, this man who, who used to be blind, you know, he's saying like, like take whatever you wish and leave whatever you wish, like, He's like trying to emphasize for him, like, don't even think of how much you have left me. Like, when you're taking, don't even compare, like, well, I've taken half of his flock. I better make sure I've left about half. Otherwise, it will look, like, bad on me. I've taken more than half. He's saying to him, like, don't worry, even if you just left me one. And if you left none, I'm not going to argue with you about it. I'm not actually going to even show a funny face. This is what I understand from this phrase, wallahi. Yeah? He said... Wallahi ma If you read if you read the explanation of this term in Arabic language, it basically doesn't mean I'm not gonna argue only for you. It means like I'm not gonna show any kind of disproval. I'm not gonna bother even like it's all from Allah, it was entrusted to me. Who cares? You know, the whole dunya, if it goes away from me, but if I gave it away, Lillah, Lillahi Azza wa Jal. Allah can replace it to me, and Allah, فَهُوَ يُخْلِفُ Allah will do that. وَمَا أَنْفَقْتُ مِنْ شَيْءٍ But this is, أَنْفَقْتُ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فِي خَيْرٍ فَهُوَ يُخْلِفُهُ For sure, okay? It, you will get, uh, it, your wealth will not go away, inshallah. You will get uh, a better replacement for it. So he was fully aware of that, conscious, and therefore he gave us a very true example of generosity. Uh, so the reason why uh, ulama say the trait of uh, stinginess is dangerous is because uh, it really leads to uh, us, uh, you know, denying, you know, basically Allah's favors upon us. And there are too many to, to count, to measure or count. And the danger of becoming ungrateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yeah, shukr is a very important aspect of iman as well. <clears throat> And its opposite, okay, uh, is dangerous because it actually, according to ulama, uh, it actually does lead to kufr. Because the beginning of actual disbelief in Allah is kufran ni'am or ni'mah. You know, denying the blessings, that, the favors that Allah bestowed upon us. That's how it starts. So it's like Allah blessed us with so many things, like the eyesight. Okay, look, we have, mashallah, good skin, for example, nice hair. Loads and loads of bounties and blessings Allah gave us within our bodies, in our progeny, children, beautiful, healthy children, many kids, all kinds of things. Nice parents, lots of wealth, so, so many bounties. The moment we start taking any of those for granted and we don't express our gratitude, or thankfulness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for them is dangerous. You'll say, I, I fully deserve that, it's me. So you attribute that gift to yourself, your ego grows. Then again, ah, oh, no, it's again me. The danger is it just basically leads and heart, it really makes your heart hard, hardens your heart. And giving away does the opposite. Okay, just like mentioning death, I think. Next to it, probably, in softening our heart, is when we give in charity. 
I don't know how, but Allah has put some kind of sir, secret in it. Try it, and you, you will understand what I'm saying. Try it. Become generous, you will see uh, what effect that has on your heart. Okay, uh, this is like one, but there are basically two benefits. We concluded. Another one, uh, well, the second benefit is, why is Bukhel, again, another reason why it's dangerous? is because it does seem that this miserliness or stinginess uh, also makes one, you know, we say like, not care about his tongue as well. So he starts lying. You know, like he, his hand is like tight, he doesn't want to give. Or let's say his heart became hard. Now his tongue becomes loose, loose. So he's prone to lying because all the time, believe me, brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we, we are not sent three angels like this, you know, uh, on three different occasions or once in your lifetime. Uh, like in this story, previously, seems like these things did happen. But there are many other ways in, in which Allah sends us very clear, obvious signs in which he knocks on our doors to give away in charity from our wealth, possessions that we have. So... People have knocked on our doors in whatever way. You received an email, a WhatsApp message, somebody made an announcement in front of you, a beggar knocked on your door. I mean, where I come from in Bosnia, now it's like really common. In England, it's not that obviously common. It's one of the wealthiest countries in the world. But there are many countries, I'm telling you, in the world where it's very common basically to have a beggar come on your door, on your house door, actually, and ask you for things. It's a big test. The greatest of people used to see them as a means to khayr, like Sheikh Man mentioned to us. They had a story the other day. So they used to see them as, as a gift from Allah because through that beggar, uh, they would attain salvation or become better, more generous, and so on and so forth. So what the scholars say is uh, the companion of stinginess is, uh, is lying. You know, from that you can become also a liar because when people ask you to give away your wealth, you always tend to look for some kind of an excuse not to give, to not give. And then we often try to make up something, which means then you lie. And even lying is like step by step. Small lie leads to a bigger lie, to a bigger lie, more regular lying until a person becomes a liar. And we all know what happens then. So that's like a second or third benefit from this story. Uh, there's more, of course, to, to, to mention. Okay, I'll just now oppose what I just said. We obviously mentioned uh, generosity, al-karam, or al-jud, al-sakha. But what goes with it, what is the companion of jud and karam is al-sadaq. So if bukhl and kathib go hand in hand, ulama have taught us, as the hadith in a way says, being generous, you'll be truthful as well. So who showed the truthfulness? Like, who didn't deny his past? The man who used to be blind. Okay, that man, the third man. So he was truthful, honest with himself. Yes, I was like that one day. And therefore, he was also generous. So remember that, okay? Remember, inshallah, even, you know, like becoming generous will also help you to become more Truthful, because you won't look for any excuses not to give some of your wealth away. Maybe it's one of the ways, but there are many other, basically, ways. 
so that also will lead one to uh, develop a very strong sense of gratefulness, shukr. Yeah? Uh, thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for uh, all the bounties and blessings that he bestowed upon us. And there are really too many. And some of my teachers, I used to talk to them. Subhanallah is like, how many good things Allah gave me in particular? Like I never, I really don't like talking about myself, but I used to think even 20 years ago when I came to this country, 21 years ago, like how many amazing things I have I managed to achieve in my life. Uh, even from now, if I became paralyzed, but in sujood position and lived like that for many, many years and did, was able just to move my tongue and do, you know, many alhamdulillah, sana wa shukr, I will never be able to, 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 to pay gratitude to Allah, to thank him enough for what he's given me so far in my life. Uh, and each one of us, I would say, have so many bounties and blessings that Allah bestowed upon us in our own particular uh, life uh, course. And everybody's life is unique in that sense. And Allah knows exactly why he gave so-and-so this at that uh, you know, junction in their life and so-and-so this and that. Like Shaykh said, like Ibn al-Qaim said, if we all only could have some kind of access, even a temporary access, to Al-Qadr, Al-Qadr wa Al-Qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you will understand fully how much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants good for us. You know, how grateful uh, uh, we need to be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for looking after us, basically sustaining us, cherishing us in, in, in the very meaning of, the, of those terms. So this is another important point I have to say. Uh, and, uh, okay, this is the ruling. So, um, we understand from this hadith that it is allowed, basically, to narrate stories from past nations. In this case, the Prophet ﷺ himself narrated a hadith uh, from Bani Israel. Uh, now, I don't want to say uh, some of these stories, they had to happen exactly as they are mentioned. Uh, I don't want to go in great details about how it happened, how long ago, and this and that. I don't think so that is the purpose of those stories. It seems like their purpose is much loftier than that because like I told you, uh, every story first and foremost, uh, you know, like captures our imagination, attention. Uh, so it's very nice to narrate stories. The Quran does that, as you know, and the Hadith does the same as you can hear, see here. Secondly, stories are much easier to understand than some kind of ruling if I tell you a definition. Uh, well, I mean, if I read some verses which divide inheritance, you know, no matter how slowly I read, you still might be a little bit confused because they're fractions or something like that or very great detail. So this story was a nice, easy, you know, uh, to our ears, but yet timeless in its wisdom, okay? And so many basically blessings we can deduce from this story. I think we can go on for an, another hour maybe deducing if I went you know, line by line and see if I can deduce something else. I probably could deduce another many lessons. So here, uh, the basic one is like, it's perfectly allowed in, in Islam to narrate stories from past nations, okay? Even though their, let's say, uh, sharai uh, do not apply to us. But from whatever they have experienced in their lives, we can also still benefit. That is the basic point. So there are many lessons, okay, uh, that one can learn from them. And I always say I would rather learn uh, from the mistakes of past yeah, 
nations, or let's say of other people, whether they lived in, the, in history, very much in the past, or, or near, near past, whatever it is, you would rather learn from other people's mistakes than uh, us ourselves doing the mistakes and learning in that way, falling in them. So uh, it is a very useful point, I would say. Uh, so like I said, uh, in a way, uh, this uh, hadith encourages us really to share stories. If we know any stories, let us you know, tell stories to one another, especially to our children, because this is one of the nicest, uh, in terms of pedagogy, it's nicest and most fruitful, most effective ways of uh, basically conveying a particular message or lesson to them especially younger people, because if you speak in strictly legal terms, oh, that's probably beyond most people, except people who are crazy about law and jurisprudence, or people who are really good at language. Whereas telling a story is always easy and nice, and also stays in our memory, I don't know why, Allah knows best, much longer than when you hear a definition or some kind of very succinct uh, and tough language. I hope you will still remember La Belaga, for example, Kabir and Ankabir, but uh, there are many other things that you can read, basically, and we simply forget about it, and, and it doesn't stay with us, unlike stories. Uh, so the bottom line is really this. عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِ أَنْ يَتَصِفَ بِالصِّدْقِ وَالْكَرَمِ وَيُبَادِرُ إِلَى شُكْرِ نِعَمِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى بِالْقَوْلِ وَالْعَمَلِ So this is like a conclusion or a summary uh, of this hadith, I have to say. Uh, so for us believers, you know, we are strongly encouraged in this hadith to practice generosity and truthfulness, to be truthful, uh, to speak the truth at all times, uh, no matter how much we are tested and trialed, but also to be kind and generous, uh, even when it hurts. I remember this uh, nice singer from Canada, I think, he said, like, give, give a bit of yourself, give something. From yourself, you know, he's—it's a nice language. You're not gonna chop off one of your fingers or give anything, but give something and feel like it's no longer painful to to depart from it, like to spare something. And when he said that, the message I understand is like, give your time, and the time that we give also is most precious, especially when we do it uh, for the khidma of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and His Deen, His religion. So that is one. And the second one, the very big strong lesson is for us, as the Shaykh even said in that hadith, Ajaban li Amril Mu'min, we must be ever grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for each and every blessing and favor that He bestow, bestowed upon us. Uh, and in that way, inshallah ta'ala, with Allah's grace uh, and mercy, we will attain uh, Allah's pleasure. Yeah? Uh, we, will, uh, we will reach to the maqam and the station that we desire. Uh, and the maqam and the station uh, uh, by which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with us. أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله العظيم لي ولكم فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم سبحانك اللهم نستغفرك ونتوب إليك ونصلي ونسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم التسليم الكثير